I do love how Ewan McGregor is always just leaving his cloak on the ground. Do you think that the Jedi Council has just like a closet where they're just like, oh, fine. Did you leave another cloak on another planet? Okay, bye. Force ghosts, holograms, and lightsaber battles. Oh my. The finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi is now in the books, and we are here to break it all down on the Dagobah Dispatch. Spoiler alert, we're going to get into that big face-off, all the familiar faces, and how what we saw in the series impacts what comes next in the original trilogy. So put this pod uh, back in Tala's empty holster right now if you have not yet watched the finale or don't want to be spoiled. I am Dalton Ross, joined here on the EW Jedi Council by Devin Kogan and Lauren Morgan. Devin and I were out last week, but not unlike Qui-Gon Jinn in Force Ghost form, we have returned and can now go uh, all hang out with Lauren in her desert cave, I guess. I, uh, Lauren, does your, does your <laughs> cave dwelling have room for all of us? I don't even know. I think it does. I th- I've moved, you know, we moved Nick and Christian stuff out so you can move back in. So we're all good. I've been really excited. I've really now, listen, I, I read Devin's uh, react to the finale, but we have not spoken, the three of us. So you're getting this fresh. You're getting this hot off the press, our, our, uh, our, our hot takes. So um, let's, let's, let's get into it. Let's first off start and talk about the big Obi versus Annie battle, the rematch. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Rocky three. Uh, just bear with me here. <laughs> Uh, for a second, ladies, <laughs> I feel like it's, you know, in the beginning match in Rocky three, Rocky takes on Clubber Lang and gets his ass kicked. Now, you know, his ringman just died before the fight and Clubber Lang was very intense and very intimidating. And Rocky was kind of like, you know, hanging out in his big mansion and maybe not like ready to take him on. So he got his butt kicked, but then he goes trains with Apollo Creed uh, they do some like homoerotic hugging on the beach uh, in slow motion, <laughs> and then he gets his mojo back and he beats Clubber Lang. That's what this kind of was. This was like take two on the Obi Wan Darth battle. I am dying to hear your all's reactions, Devin. What'd you What'd you think? I love. This was my favorite part of the whole whole episode of honestly maybe the whole show when 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 they first announced the show and when they first announced that that Hayden Christensen was coming back. Um, all I wanted was some sort of emotional catharsis between these two. You know, I am one of those people who, like many, am not a huge fan of the prequels. But but for me, the the heart of those movies, and, and I can tell you exactly where I was the first time I saw that Mustafar battle. It was my brother's ninth birthday. So me and a bunch of nine-year-olds sobbing in the theater as as Ewan McGregor says, you were my brother, Anakin. And and I just, this was like, it made little, little child me so happy. I was like, oh my God, Obi-Wan and Anakin and, and it are back together again and having this insane uh, lightsaber fight. And it was like, it was fresh. It didn't just feel like two guys like hitting sticks at each other. There was some cool force stuff. My favorite moment uh, when Vader has clearly learned his lesson from the Mustafar battle, he had the high ground. He knew that that was what he had to do. Um, and there was there was one moment that I really loved where, where I don't know if you guys caught this, but when they're sort of Vader and Obi Wan are sort of grappling, there's a moment where they're almost holding hands as they're they've got oh, lightsabers in one hand. Yeah, they've got lightsabers in one hand, and then they're almost like kind of grasping each other with their other hands, and it's so intimate and heartbreaking. And I was just like, that's that's what I wanted. That that 
um, to me, this was the highlight of, of the episode and, and possibly the highlight of the whole series. Lauren, that's one satisfied customer. Uh, what about yourself? <laughs> Well, this is how I know how much older I am than Devin, because when I saw Revenge of the Sith the first time, it was the night before I graduated grad school. So <laughs> I am considerably older than Devin is. Uh, I thought it was a great battle. And man, going after his life support system, Obi-Wan just pounding on it. And I was just like, that is cold, but smart, man. Because <laughs> I was just like, you know, we, we were just discussing how like Darth Vader's at the top of his power right now. And how would Obi-Wan, you know, win? And it was basically like he went after his life support system. And I was like, clever, man. That was clever. Um, the one thing that, uh, that immediately, though, when I, uh, when I saw that cracked mask, I was like, oh, this is like, uh, Star Wars Rebels, the uh, second season finale, when uh, Darth Vader and Ahsoka face off, she cracks his mask, she cracks the other side of his mask. And I was just like, I was like, oh, that's a, a callback. And you also hear at the time, you heard Matt Lanter's voice mixed with Darth Vader's voice. You know, there's that joke, like Star Wars, it rhymes. This was a definitely like it was a rhyming moment for me. But I just thought like the whole way that they fought the battle. I mean, I thought Ewan McGregor, you know, I always thought like the pinnacle of his acting was the Mustafar battle and him like screaming, you were my brother. And I was like, oh, he like he was knocking it out of the park, like just the way he apologized and was crying, but was still just like, oh, my God, look at what like look at what has happened to Anakin. Like I, I, I thought the whole thing was like really well choreographed and I thought it was well worth the wait. All right. Well, if Devin was nine when she watched The Revenge I of the Sith. I wasn't nine. My, my little brother was nine. I was 12. <laughs> if, if Devin was 12. Just to clear it up. older than you are, Devin. And Lauren just Morgan. If she was 12. I think it was 27. And if Lauren was, was just uh, you know having her grad school, I already had two children when I watched Revenge of the Sith. Okay. <laughs> so let's just keep raising the stakes. Here, like a game of sabak. Uh, so it's kind of funny because I guess I'm trying to remember, I guess he was like, you know, praying or whatever, trying to communicate with Qui-Gon and we'll get into Qui-Gon more later before the fight. And he was like, he said, I have to face him master, whether he dies or I do this ends today. And I remember thinking, but does it, but does it really end today? I don't think so. Um, so my thoughts on the battle are as follows. I, I thought it's it's actually interesting. I thought it started a little slow. And I was like, hmm, actually, you know, this isn't as good as his battle against Riva last week was better than this. But then the rocks mm -hmm. started flying. Like when Obi-Wan was like hurling rocks at oh, him. Yeah. I was that like, was when he really got the life support. I was like, <laughs> this <laughs> is badass. And my only complaint about it was that they kept cutting away from it. It was like Phantom Menace style. Yeah. Phantom Menace. You're watching the best lightsaber battle in the history of Star Wars, and yet Duel of the Fates playing, and then they're like cutting away to like Captain Tarples and the Boomas. <laughs> like I don't want to see that. Like stay no. here in the in the palace and let's watch this badass uh, lightsaber battle. And they're kind of. I mean, listen, it, it wasn't as bad here because the Reva stuff was interesting. We'll talk about that. But but I just like. I wish they just stuck with it. I wish they hadn't done the back and forth that they kind of do in yeah. all the Star Wars movies now and stuff and and just kept us right there and let that momentum really build uh, upon itself. So I, I, I and but but so I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. I love the rocks. I love the uh, as you mentioned, you sort of like slicing open the mask. I loved what they did with his voice 
where oh, it was yeah, that, that was mix great. going back and forth between Hayden Christensen's voice and James Earl Jones's voice. You have like the malfunctioning sort of voice recorder action. And I thought the dialogue was great. You know, he says, Anakin's, and he, he goes, Darth Vader goes, Anakin's gone. I am what remains. Um, it's like I killed him, basically, I which I just your, thought. I was like, yeah, that's chilling. <laughs> I'm not your fail- failure, Obi-Wan. Uh, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. Thought that was great. Loved it. Uh, I just, I guess the one thing is like, why are you doing this again? Why are you leaving him alive? Why I know. are you, like, I mean, if we're going to, like, the action, the the staging, the dog, all perfect. Love it, love it, love it. And obviously he can't kill Darth Vader because it obviously doesn't make sense. But he... He sees he's defeated him in air quotes and he walks away and, and and I don't understand the move there. And this is the one thing I just am dying to try and get Deborah Chow or Joby Harold, uh, the director or writer on the line, because we did see earlier where Reva questioned whether Obi-Wan could kill him. She mm-hmm. said, like, can you finish the job? Will you finish the job? Which I guess he thought he had done on Mustafar. Like, right. He thought like. This time he clearly knows I have not killed him, right? Like he doesn't think, mm-hmm. I mean, was your interpretation like he thinks he's dead, the mask has been cracked? Like, I, No, I just think, I think he just looked at him like, you're so pathetic. I, you know, you're not even my brother anymore. You're just this desiccated husk of a person I once knew. And I think he just Who's ruling like, the galaxy and enslaving Wookiees and doing things like that? Why <laughs> would you not kill that guy? I mean, I guess he, good thing he didn't, but like still, like, why would you not finish that? I thought that that was crazy later on when Palpatine was just like, like, Vader's like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go chase them all over the galaxy. And like Palpatine basically yanks his leash and being like, you're not doing anything I don't want you to do. So it was just sort of like, that was kind of an interesting, uh, I thought, juxtaposition. Just to, we'll get, we'll get we'll to, get that to Palpatine. But-, but I just thought like when Vader dumped all the rocks on him, uh, I was just like, I'm going to check if he killed him because he just like was like. No, it's just, yeah, just thought that was kind of interesting. I'm like, no, you're not going to kill each other. But. Yeah, Obi-Wan and, and and Anakin, they love to like do a dramatic walk away where it's like, yeah. I dumped a bunch <laughs> of rocks on you. I cut all your arms off. I uh, dragged you through the fire and now I'm just going to walk away and let you go. Um, yeah. It's almost like they, they, they can't stay away from each other. They, no. they know that, that this is where it's going to end up. Well, especially if, if they're in agreement that Anakin Skywalker is dead, then why wouldn't you kill this evil guy? Like, he's not your Padawan. He's not your friend. Yeah. Why would this is your job? If you're back yeah. with the Jedi mojo and there's a Sith standing right in front of you, you kill the Sith. It just doesn't it just doesn't track for me. That's fair. I think, I mean, that is fair. And I think, but I think it's also one of these things of, you know, this is a prequel and they have to deal with like, you know, the one thing that I did really wish that there was a cutscene of is the Grand Inquisitor seeing Vader coming back onto the ship or having to retrieve his butt on the planet (laughs) and being like, you know, I told you, like, I just, I would have loved to see the eye roll the Grand Inquisitor came when he came back to the ship. Completely I'm just saying. From Obi-Wan. I'm just saying. Yeah, I was like, I'm just saying, maybe you shouldn't have done this by yourself. Like, yeah, when Vader's yeah, like, no. I must face him alone. And and you can see the look on Rupert Friend's face. Like, yeah, he like, literally just like, he like literally sucks in his cheeks. Like, well, that's a decision. But I just was like, I would have loved to have seen that scene at comical as it would have been. But, you know. Well, let's talk about what else was going on that they kept cutting to, which was Reva, who once mm-hmm. again, uh, apparently, if you are uh, have the dark side of the force, you can survive any sort of lightsaber 
to any portion of your body, especially one right in your gut. Uh, and she's going after Luke Skywalker, I guess, to exact revenge on his dad. Although I was thinking about this. She sees the the recording from Bale to Obi-Wan, which was we talked about or you talked about last week, Lauren, not encrypted. Mm-hmm. Uh, not but encrypted. Like, wh- why does it expressly say that those are Anakin's kids? I mean, like, how is she connecting the dots here? I'm not saying it's a crazy connection to make, but it's it. there's nowhere it's in that. It's quite a leap. It's a leap, right? Yeah, it's quite a leap she makes there. Like, we, there's these two children, and Obi-Wan's protecting them, and, like, maybe she put two and two together. Like, I don't know. Like, that was the one thing. Like, I, I did, you know, I, 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 the sequence was, like, executed, I think, well. Like, I like seeing Aunt Brew kicking ass and taking names. Um, You know, that was fun. That, that sh- like, when she's, like, you care for him, like, he's your own. And Uncle L going, he is my own. Like, I liked that. But, like, I really do think that, like, Reva's motivations did not come be- come together well in the end. Like, I just think, like, the whole twist where she's, like, became an Inquisitor to get close to Darth. It's, like, I feel like it would have worked better if, like, she had really just gotten, like, they it, 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 they talk more about her, like, getting, like, corrupted by the dark side or something. Like, I just think, like, the way that it worked out, I don't think her character motivation made a ton of sense. But I don't know how you I, I actually, I, I didn't, I, I want to hear what Devin thought, but I actually had no problem with that. I like the twist of her trying to get close to Vader yeah. to kill Vader. I just don't know about her putting together the the Luke-Anakin connection. What do you think, Devin? Yeah, I think the Luke-Anakin connection was a little, uh, it was a little wonky. It was, it, it didn't 100% stick the landing for me. Um, but I mean, you could make the argument that, you know, she just knows that this kid is important to, although, although that's the other thing I, I get back to. It's like, really, you're going to hide this kid on Tatooine, Anakin's home mm-hmm. planet, give him the last name Skywalker, <laughs> and he lives in the same town as a Kenobi. It's, you know, you could, you could do a little bit better at, if you're, if you're going to hide him. So it, it, I think the message from Bail Organa mentions that he's Luke Skywalker. And so I think probably she heard that name and, her you know mm. her ears per- pricked up um but i really i was really impressed by moses's moses ingram's performance in um in this particular episode i just thought it was so gut-wrenching and emotional and i thought she was you know to see her sort of like unravel and really kind of lose her mind over the course of this episode was was very moving i thought she was fabulous yeah. all series i thought she yeah. was i thought she was awesome she put sort of weird inflections on weird words like yeah. just the way she would like i go back to that one where she's trying to get information about where obi-wan or maybe it was benny safty was and just the way she stalks around the townspeople and sort of moves her body i thought she was fabulous i agree totally i think it was a great performance in the episode and she was selling the hell out of it i just think like her motivation didn't completely kind of click together for me. Like, I like the idea that she was like trying to kill Anakin because what he did to the Padawans, but the whole Inquisitor thing and you probably have been murdering force sensitive children for a while is just sort of like kind of a weird, like it, it didn't kind of click together all the way for me. So that's my one off. I'm generally not a big fan of like having an entire sequence where someone does all these terrible things than to get to someone to like kill them and then they can't go through with it. Like I'm just, mm-hmm. it just it feels like a cop out. So I'm not generally a fan of that. That said, I did like Lauren did, I guess. I did enjoy seeing Owen and Baru and especially Baru mm-hmm. get in the mix and see her get some shots in. And I liked when, when that back and forth where Owen's like, you know, Ben's gone. And she's like, well, whose fault is that? Yeah, you know? it did sound like a very, this is a long-term marriage argument. Like, well- 
that's not my problem. You did it. So, you know. I will say I did not have Aunt Beru action scene on my Obi-Wan uh, bingo <laughs> card, but I loved it. I, I think um, and I, I, Bonnie is really incredible as, as Aunt Beru, and I, I really love um, uh, Joel Edgerton as, as Owen. He sort of has that same gruff speaking tone, and you can sort of see him. Both of them are sort of growing into the Aunt Beru and the, and the Uncle Owen that we get to know um, in A New Hope, and you can sort of see the growth between them, because the last time we met them, they were just kids. They just, I think they were still boyfriend and girlfriend, like they were still, um, you know, they were still so young. So you can sort of see them definitely. These are the older sort of Baru and, and Owen who are, um, who we first met all the way back in 1977. And I think you can see as gruff as Owen is that like Luke is being raised with a lot of love. And like, you could like, even when he just took him to the part, like the parts uh, store and stuff like that, like you, I, you can tell that there's like a lot of gruffness there, but he does truly care for Luke. And like I made jokes before that Leia, like, you know, she got she got to live in the palace and Luke got the moisture farm. But you can see that Luke is being raised in a very like loving environment uh, here. So I, I think even just like those sort of subtle touches that you can see, like that relationship between the two was like kind of a lovely note to see. It's nice that they gave her something to do. She's like, we're enough. You and me, she takes her blaster. I mean, like, you know, especially with Bonnie Pius, I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce her last name, but like after mm-hmm. the whole Nexium thing, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. that's going to be like the fact that she gets back in a Star Wars project uh, is 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 pretty cool. Uh, and, I, my, you know, <laughs> you know, my one stupid gripe about this whole thing and Luke Skywalker, his hair should be blonder. I'm sorry. Yeah. His hair should be blonder. You know, like you look at like, you know, my kids and me, me when I was really my, young, yeah. it's super blonde hair yeah. and it gets darker. And you see that in Luke in those three movies. His hair is blonde in A New Hope. And this is what? 10-year-old Luke. His hair is going to be really super blonde. And I can't get over it. Why can I not get over that? <laughs> You'd think the twin no. sons of Tatooine would would serve as the bleach. You know, he's got he's no. putting some lemon juice in his hair. I mean, I have I have a kid who's going from blonde to brown right now. So, and I was blonde as a child as well. So that is a fair point. I will give you that. One. It's like when you go back and watch uh, Attack of the Clones, where they clearly put tons of bronzer on Hayden Christensen because he's supposed to be from like the sand planet of Tatooine, <laughs> and he was very very pale. So, like, all right, we got to sort of darken this guy up. Um, so. Anyway, Anyway, we'll see what happens with Reva. I hope we see more of this character. Like, we'll mm-hmm. get into maybe at the end, like, do we want to see more of the series? Or, But I hope in one way or another, whether it's a spinoff show or whether she just sort of shows up here in, uh, or elsewhere, I thought Moses did such a great job. I'd love to see her again. What about you all? I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I think there's enough in her backstory that, that you know, I would be curious. And also the fact that now she knows Luke Skywalker is living on this planet. like. That's another person who knows the biggest secret in the galaxy. Like, what does she do with that information going forward? And like, it, like, is she someone that Obi-Wan continues to have contact with and like maybe tries to guide on a better path or something of that sort? That would be kind of interesting, I think. First off, how or last off, I should say about this section, how perfect was Obi-Wan's greeting to Luke? Hello there. <laughs> how Perfect. I lost my mind. We got a high ground thing. We got a hello there. I was just oh my 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 favorite thing was when he was fighting uh, Darth Vader and he did the the classic pose yes, that I literally stance. have. Like, I literally have like four photographs that, of that in our media library already. And then I was like, he did it. He did the pose. 
Absolutely. The one thing that I, I did want, and one of my favorite things about Obi-Wan across all of his incarnations, is he always does a dramatic uh, cloak drop where he drops his cloak on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, he And I, that was the one thing I wanted from this series. I wanted a really dramatic robe reveal. Um, because I do love how Ewan McGregor is always just leaving his cloak on the ground. Do you think that the <laughs> Jedi, like, Council has just like a closet where they're just like, oh, fine. Did you leave another cloak on another planet? Okay, fine. He picked up that other Jedi cloak last week because he must have dropped his uh, his his other one off. He always needs an He's extra one. I always I dropping like the, cloaks during the fight. At one point, he did a pass behind his like back, like with his lightsaber, and I was just like, I was like, oh, you are really breaking out the old moves, like you know, because I was like, did you just pass that behind you? And I'm like, I'm not sure about that in terms of a tactical. Uh, a tactical lightsaber thing, but that was cool. Before we get into the surprises of the episode, mm-hmm. I wanted to, this is something that we've been tracking on our podcast and on EW.com is how they're going to reconcile this entire adventure that Obi-Wan and Leia went on with her message to him at the beginning of New Hope, where she basically identifies herself not as the person that you went on this crazy adventure uh, on, but la- rather the daughter of Bail Organa. And oh, who's Bail Organa? Don't you remember? You you served him years ago in the Clone Wars. What was going to happen? So what they essentially did was, is they just had uh, him say to her at the end, look, no one can know we know each other. And I actually, I'm curious, you're all to, I actually liked that. Like, I didn't want to see like a whole force memory rub situation. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I just thought this was a subtle way of acknowledging just like, hey, listen, uh, now whether a 10 year old would remember that like nine years later is another question. But I thought it was a, a pretty effective way without doing a lot of gymnastics to explain it. Devin, what'd you think? Yeah, I think with things like this, you there's always going to be a little bit of a um, you're always going to need a little bit of wiggle room here to make everything sort of fit together perfectly. And to me, that felt like a, a smart choice. And I, I think, you know, I think it still doesn't. It, I think of, overall, this whole show sort of lends a new emotional cadence to that message. You know, not a hundred percent of the um, details line up, but that's kind of always been true of Star Wars. You know, Leia says in Return of the Jedi, you know, I remember my mother, even though she died in childbirth. You know, there's always been a little bit of sort of wonkiness and a little bit of retconning. So it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me too much here. Yeah, I thought that was kind of just an elegant way to to deal with it. And also the fact that, you know, like after Bale's uh, little hollow screw up last week, maybe they just really tightened their security up going forward in terms of like <laughs> what Bale's dealing with, with like Fulcrum and all of the stuff he winds up doing. He's like, maybe my safety protocols could be improved. So maybe they just decided to dial it back. I was like, that's fine. That's fine. And, you know, it works for me. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be picky about it. Well, speaking of hologram appearances, there were a bunch of, uh, or at least not at least two, so maybe somewhat surprise appearances. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some familiar faces that popped up in the Obi-Wan Kenobi finale. All right, we've been uh, chatting about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series finale. Uh, Well, maybe it's a series finale. Allegedly it is. Maybe that changes. Who knows? There were some uh, familiar faces that popped up as well. Let's get into them. Let's talk about Emperor Palpatine making an appearance, showing up to talk to Vader in hologram form. Loved seeing it. Loved seeing Ian McDermott. He's just so, so good. And I really dug what he did here. Devin, what'd you think? 
I loved it. It was a delightful surprise. I think we all sort of knew that the other cameo was, was coming. They have sort of, uh, not even foreshadowed it, but sort of, you know, pointed to it with being flashing neon lights. So this one, I think, was a true surprise for me. I think there was some some rumors that, you know, maybe we would get to see Ian. It would certainly make sense at this point in time. Um, and I, I thought this was perfect. It was like just enough. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't a main character here. Um, but it was, it sort of, it was kind of interesting to see again, you know, we Vader sort of looms so large over this series and he's sort of the boss of the Inquisitors and he's, he's definitely running the show that I thought this was like a sort of nice little moment to remind uh, Vader and the audience that he's not the one pulling the strings. It is still the emperor and he is still, um, you know, after Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan has been his, his Jedi master for such a long time. It's a nice reminder that, oh yeah, Vader's got another master and he's, he's still pulling strings and uh, making things happen. Yeah. I, I it's, it's kind of interesting because it's the dialogue between the two is kind of similar to return of the Jedi, right? When emperor asks if his feelings mm -hmm. are compromised due to his son and he's like, son, what me? No way, Jose, I'm good to go. <laughs> uh, it's sort of the same deal the same beats but it, at the same time it also really fits with the story and then explains because the question might have well why isn't vader just going and hunt, hunting obi-wan again and he's not hunting him because the emperor is like dude let it go like and you we got we got bigger fish to fry here and so that sort of does a good job i felt of explaining that lauren uh, what was your reaction when you saw I think up. the emperor probably also looked at the state Darth Vader returned to his ship in and thought, <laughs> maybe you guys should not face off again because I can't keep saving your butt. These helmets are expensive and uh, we can't keep replacing them. It's like first time, first time, shame on you. Second time, yeah, shame second on me. Time, yeah, yeah. I, I can't just let you keep getting your ass kicked uh, repeatedly. Uh, you know, this whole life support system is very expensive to, to upkeep. So I just sort of thought that was kind of probably the emperor was like, oh, again with you too. Um, so I, I felt like I, I, I did enjoy the scene. I, I sort of suspected that they would bring Ian McDermott back in because, you know, obviously, you know, he's still out there and acting and, you know, so I thought they would bring him. So I wasn't super surprised to see him. I was sort of pleasantly like, oh, of course. Yeah. But I did think that that little scene that we did get was sort of like a nice kind of reprioritization of like, nope. Anakin, you're like, Darth, you answer to me. Like, you're not going on these wild quests anymore. So I, I did think that sort of set the table and it explained why, you know, uh, Darth Vader is not, you know, chasing uh, Kenobi around the galaxy for, you know, the next nine years. Right. And then the other big uh, one is the one that we've all talked about that we all sort of saw coming, but maybe not in this form. It was Qui-Gon Jinn. We, we sort of, maybe it was just me, sort of predicted that he would be sort of giving Obi-Wan, by, by the way, everything I predicted in the show was wrong. Everything I kept telling you guys <laughs> every week was going to happen could not have been further from the truth. It was like, it was constantly inaccurate. And I figured he's going to give him the pep talk and that's what's going to get Obi-Wan back on his feet, uh, communicating with Qui-Gon, Mr. Force Ghost there. Instead, it's at the very end. And, and the interaction basically amounts to, dude, where you been? And it's like, me, where have you been? You know, it's like, <laughs> that's basically it. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a nice button. It, nice, it obviously explains the transition of how Obi-Wan's going to figure out how to go force ghost on Luke. Mm -hmm. And I guess my only thing is, might, might the pep talk have been a little more impactful 
had we all not known he was showing up? Because the thing is, they obviously planted the seeds for this all going all the way back to the recap. Remember this whole series started with the yeah. recap of the prequels and they, they included that scene of like Yoda saying like, Oh, you know, Qui-Gon is learning how to communicate. And like, and so they basically told us this was going to happen. And so knowing it was going to happen just sort of took away a little bit of the impact at the very end. It's a nice button and a nice way to end the series, but I wasn't, I wasn't like shook by it. Um, Lauren, what about you? Uh, I was wondering, like, was, like, Qui-Gon just visiting Yoda in on Dagobah, just being like, I, I can't get him. Like, I'm trying, and I just cannot get him. Like, what's going on here? Um, I, You know what I did like about the fact that it was just kind of a nice button? is because we had talked about it before, where he was going to talk to Qui-Gon and get his Force powers back, and, like, you know, he was going to reconnect to the Force. But I like the fact that he basically kind of did it on his own, and it was really, like, uh, that moment when he's like piled in the rocks where it's really Luke and Leia and like his, his, uh, his feelings for them and his wanting to protect them that really made him like connect back like as strong as he could. And, and so I thought that, that was kind of like, I felt that was like a more effective than like Qui-Gon swooping in with a force pep talk. Um, but you know, I'm, I was glad to see Liam Neeson. I was not shocked at all that he showed up. I was like, yeah, I figured that was going to happen. Um, again, so, uh, but yeah, you just, the one thing about these force ghosts, and I've always wondered this about the sequel trilogy, it's like, where was Anakin's force ghost with, with all of this stuff that going, was going on with Ben Salo and Kylo? Like, you know, dude, what, what were you doing? Like, so I'm like, so I was just like, these force ghosts are so wonky in terms of like their ability to connect with the people they need to. Obi-Wan was the only one who managed to do it successfully, it seemed like. Yeah, I think about that a lot. You know, I think there's that line where where Kylo Ren something sa- says something like, um, I feel it calling to me like the call of the light. And you know that it just uh-huh. Anakin's on the other end being like, yeah, pick up. I've been trying Dude. to call you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to get in touch with you. <laughs> Throw out so my I helmet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then like, which which Anakin are you going to get? Is it like young Anakin, yeah. old Anakin, the force ghost changes? Like, you know, yeah. you never know what's going to happen there. So yeah, uh, yeah. these force ghosts are wonky, but I just was like imagining like Qui-Gon on just talking to Yoda being like, he's still totally turned off from the force. I can't do anything about this. So (laughs) yeah, I whisper into his ears and he hears nothing. And and that's how the, the series, definitely the season, probably the series ends. I mean, I guess I'll ask you each the question. What, what do you want now from this character like would you like to see another season would you like to see a movie of some sort would you like to see obi-wan pop up uh, on another show at some point or are we done with you and mcgregor as obi-wan kenobi what do you think Devin? i don't know um because on one hand i think the story very nicely wraps up the uh obi-wan leia story the obi-wan luke story and the obi-wan vader story i i don't if we get more i i as much as it breaks my heart to say it i don't think we should have vader in it um i think it would need to be an entirely new story that um you know could have some connections to uh to this this story but i think it just wouldn't make sense to have these you know, to have these two keep running into each other over and over and over again. Um, it would just sort of uh, affect the integrity of the original trilogy. But at the same time, I think Ewan is so delightful here. And I, I it just makes me so happy to see him on screen. And I, I could see maybe getting some sort of other adventure with Obi-Wan, whether he pops up on another show or whether we um, 
you know, we he gets some other sort of spinoff adventure. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, uh, Lauren, I'd be curious your take as uh, Lauren and I were briefly discussing the other day, the book Kenobi, which is a mm-hmm. legacy book. And it's basically, it's kind of what you're, I think, asking for, Devin, uh, in the sense yeah. that it's basically him just dealing with local stuff on Tatooine, Tusken Raiders, and some mysterious attacks that are happening on some villagers there and him sort of intervening. And and, do, and it's it's a great book. So, Lauren, would you want to see something like that? Some other, like Devin's talking about, like a different Obi-Wan adventure? Because I, yeah. I, first off, I agree 100% with what Devin said. If you do Obi-Wan again, like no Luke, no Leia, Vader, that is all done. But that yeah. doesn't mean I, I don't want to see the character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like Ewan was playing this so beautifully and uh, you know, he's really just like, he really inhabits the character so well. And as we were talking about, like I had just uh, read the Kenobi legends book and there is, it's interesting because the way Kenobi is in that book is very much how he is in the finale here where he has his confidence back and he's trying to kind of live a quiet life and stay off the radar, but he keeps getting pulled in. Like his need to be a Jedi keeps pulling him into these, these conflicts where he feels like he needs to protect people. So I think there is a story that, and and maybe there is even some intersection with Bale and the nascent re- rebellion that's going on that he could do these kind of rebellion missions. And maybe you could have a little bit of lay in there, but like, I, yeah, I think Darth's completely off the table at this point. Obviously I also think like someone like Darth Maul is kind of off the table considering what happened with those two in star Wars rebels and where uh, Darth Maul's character was at that point. So, I mean, I, I, I would love to see him show up in Andor cause like he's still alive in that timeline. Um, so kind of like, I would love to see him again. I just don't quite know how. And this did just like, like before the finale, I did feel like, Oh, I really want a second season. But after the finale, and I do think that kind of capped it off so nicely that I'm kind of like, yeah, but this feels really complete. So there's sort of like the selfish of me that wants like more, more, more. And then the other part of me goes, yeah, but this this was, you know, kind of the story they wanted to tell. Yeah, I can't even think of like the characters or the franchise, but like there'd be like certain like some sort of investigator or something. And like mm-hmm. CBS would do like a movie a, a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the 80s or 90s there's or whatever. A, there's Incredible yes. Hulk movies after yeah, like, the yeah, show like ended. The incredible like Hulk movies. Random Incredible Hulk yeah, movies. Yeah, just sort yeah. of like every once, once every like 18 months, you'd get like an Incredible Hulk movie. Like maybe yeah. they could just do that. with Like it doesn't have to be a six episode series, you know, just do, do a two hour movie. Yeah, yeah, I loved I when I was rewatching um, Attack of the Clones recently, I was like, this is all I want. I just want Obi-Wan like being a private investigator and going and solving mysteries. Yeah. Like I, I would watch the hell out of that. So mm-hmm. I, I would I would watch uh Detective Kenobi any any day. Totally. Yeah. I mean maybe it could be more like the Mando Mandalorian where it's like these one shot kind of adventures. Yeah. Any, any, listen, anything else you all want to hit on before we put a bow on Obi-Wan Kenobi? I know Lauren took a lot of notes. So yeah, I want to make notes. sure that they yeah, check notes. the notes, oh. please. I did think of it. Uh, so they're goodbye, uh, Leia and Obi-Wan's goodbye on Alderaan. And when uh, he was telling her, like, you know, these are the qualities that your mother had. But then he went through all of Anakin's good qualities and like, but these are the gifts your father gives you. I like literally burst out into tears. <laughs> I was just like literally just burst out into tears. And he's like, they were two extraordinary people. And I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and I rewatched that several times. Like I thought that was just like a beautiful little like sort of cap. And I, I mean, that was like the one thing is like, I really did enjoy Ewan McGregor and Vivian Lyra Blair's like their interactions. I thought those were great. So I was like, I'd like a few more of those. 
was Anakin great? Like, really? Did he have a lot of great qualities? Like, I, he was always kind of- He kinda, was passionate. He was passionate. <laughs> he was passionate. She got the best of both. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely, the little Skywalker kids, they they definitely got the the right genetic mix. And then, like, once they got to Kylo, it was like, ooh, you, he may have gotten yeah. some of those, those other bad qualities. <laughs> messed with the formula. Do you have yeah. anything else you want to hit on yeah. from the show? Uh, no, just that I, I've been continually so impressed by, by Vivian Lyra Blair. And, um, I, I just am so, that is a very hard role to pull off. It's very hard to walk in Carrie Fisher's footsteps. Um, I find sometimes like precocious children act like, like characters to be kind of annoying. And I've always really liked her. And I think she's like, I, I've loved her whole storyline. So I just, I, I've been just continually impressed by her and, um, wouldn't be opposed to, to seeing more from her in the future. Yeah, I was, listen, it wasn't a perfect series. I don't think any of us expected yeah. it to be perfect, but I think we mm -hmm. would probably all agree, even though Devin and I were not on last week's episode, that it ended really strong with the last two episodes. Episodes five and six were really, really strong. And, and episode three, I thought was really good. So four was sort of mm -hmm. like, we talked about four, like had some good action, but didn't really move the story that much. But yeah. three of the last four episodes were just sort of top notch. So I, I, I'm very happy with over the overall product. And, um, you know, and that, thank God, like, thank, cause this was, right. this was, you know, like if yeah. there's one star Wars show, you can't mess up. You can't mess this one up when you have all the yeah. tools there. Um, all right. So look, before we blast out of uh Mos Eisley spaceport here, I just want to assure everyone that while Obi-Wan Kenobi is done, we are just getting started here on the Dagobah Dispatch podcast. We should hopefully have a very big interview next week with someone from Obi-Wan uh, Kenobi fingers crossed on that. We also have interviews coming up with the cast of Andor, Ahsoka, and The Mandalorian, and we are going to be geeking out and discussing and debating Star Wars every week, talking about the movies, the TV shows, the books, the toys, you name it. We'll be talking about it. So please continue joining us on this journey, and please follow the podcast. Please rate the podcast. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, which would be super cool of you. Also, hit us up on social media. You can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials, at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan, and at Morg Lore. And until next week, I guess we'll just say goodbye there. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I, could, I just had to. I just had to. 10 out of 10. Well done, Dalton. <laughs> well done. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.